I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to the November edition of the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. If you've listened before, you know that this is a podcast made by people who know and love gardening, for people who love gardening and would like to know more. Every edition contains practical advice and topical features about everything green. So there's something to interest all garden lovers in every show. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the RHS's team of horticulture advisors based here at the RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Later on, we'll be meeting the RHS's ambassador, the Baroness of Beckenham, Lady Floella Benjamin, and hearing about her important new role and lifelong passion for plants. But first, let's talk about autumn. Although the days are shorter and there's definitely a chill in the air, for many gardeners, this is their favourite season of the year. I think it's very pleasant. Spring can be too frenetic, the summer can be too hot, and autumn's lovely, isn't it? It's just right. You've got those low shafts of autumn light, lovely rusty colours all around you. There's actually an awful lot to do. And the more you can do, the easier life is going to be for you in the rush of spring. And it's just a lovely cool temperature to work in too. Well, my name's Anne Swithenbank, and I was asked to come along and give two talks at the Shades of Autumn show. Uh, the first one I gave this morning, which is on uh, gardening in the autumn, and the second one on planting bulbs. Well, as long as the soil hasn't become waterlogged, I'll still be clearing as many beds in the kitchen garden as I can and mulching them, because if I don't do that and leave it till the spring, I can never catch up with myself. Now, when I want to be sowing and planting, I'm actually there scrabbling about getting the beds cleared. So that work I would really prefer to do in the autumn if I can. Um, I'm also looking around to see what might need moving and planting new plants, perhaps you know, if November's cold, I'll actually stop doing that because it, it's going, going to then get wet and cold and they won't take off too much. Um, and then it's largely a question of tidying up a bit, but not too much. So, you know, the contours of the garden stay the same because I really want it to be very attractive to wildlife, so I don't clear up too much. But having said that, I will recut some lawn edges if they're very scruffy. I will cut turf back off paths where it's started to encroach. Um, leaves have to be raked I like to keep them off the lawns if I can and off the fronts of the borders and gather them all up to make leaf mould which of course is so good and I'm still moving plants around plants are going into the house plants from the greenhouse are going into frost-free quarters and plants from outside are going into the house so I can sort of tidy the patio up so loads to do actually 
we've had to make room for things that a lot of cacti and succulents that need to come in so they might have been in the greenhouse we don't heat the greenhouse in the winter so they need to be frost free so everywhere that's south facing is just full of dormant cacti basically um other than that yes i suppose i'm grouping plants together and trying to keep them warmer by putting them where they can get some sun from south facing windows where they can feel some warmth from radiators but not too close and pushing them together so they can get some humidity from each other so I tend to look at each one and think what do you need (laughs) what what I tend to do is I've got several old meat plates more than I need they're old china ones they're not really worth very much but they're quite nice and so I'll occasionally sacrifice the old chipped one put loads of grit on it or shingle I should say and then I'll just look around I'll get one plant that needs humidity like um, a bromeliad or a peace lily or something or an anthurium and then I'll just find some small plants that are looking quite nice to make a kind of understory and then they can all sort of live together there quite happily keep the pebbles moist I I don't like spraying the plants because it makes you know that's impractical to do that to a lot of plants I just spray the gravel so I'm spraying downwards and not soaking everything garden writer and broadcaster Anne Swithinbank if you'd like more information and practical advice about what to do in your garden this month why not visit the advice pages of our website rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. There you can also find video guides to key seasonal jobs and much more. The RHS podcast team met up with Anne between talks she was presenting at the perennially popular Shades of Autumn show, which was held in Vincent Square in London last weekend. As the name suggests, the show is a mecca for those who love all things autumnal, bringing together growers and specialist nurseries from all over the country with beautiful displays of plants that perform splendidly at this time of year, it's a great place to browse, admire and to buy new varieties to increase the seasonal interest in your garden, large or small. One of the highlights of the show is the Autumn Ornamental Plant Competition, a showcase of diverse plants to delight and inspire visitors. Thank you for visiting the RHS London Shades of Autumn Show. My name's Robert Vernon and I own a little company called Bluebell Arboretum and Nursery and uh, we grow rare trees and we've created our own arboretum in Derbyshire from what was an arable field 25 years ago. Um, I was trained in Hillier Arboretum and at uh, Ritter Agricultural College uh, and many years later I'm now an RHS judge and that's why I'm here today. Well this is a huge competition so there's, there's various groups, there's about 20 classes and the classes can vary from um, a vase of cut-off stems of bamboos uh, to a vase of dahlias or chrysanthemums or more interest to me really would be um, uh, oaks or liquid ambers or maples cut off for their autumn colour or some corners here and catoniasters and panettias which have been cut off for their fruits and today I'm judging what they call the ornamental stand people have bought uh, stems of um, uh, maples and things in full colour and I hope it will inspire people to go home find out what some of these things do and plant them for affecting their garden, whether it's from a, a bulb, a marine, which you can grow in the tiniest, tiniest garden or in a pot. There's a thing here called um, uh, Kentucky Yellowwood, uh, Cladrastis, which has absolutely stunning yellow autumn colour, big pinnate leaves. Uh, the wood is yellow, it's very valuable for wood turning, um, and but just grown here for spectacular autumn colour. Uh, next to it, we're looking at a tree that looks like a maple, which is a, a liquid amber, Known as a sweet gum, the autumn colours are a rich maroon crimson at the moment, but next week it'll be absolutely Joanna Lumley lipstick red. If you crush the leaves, they smell of uh, sweetly of gum, and it's the plant they originally made bubblegum out of in America. 
It's also known as satin wood and it is used as a veneering of fine furniture. But it's a beautiful medium-sized uh, slender tree, suitable for most gardens, um, giving reliable displays of autumn colour. My name's Harvey Stevens. I'm the deputy keeper of the gardens at Windsor. So this award, the top award for uh, an exposition of four different vases of, of autumn colour from different species of trees or shrubs, we've entered here an Acer, uh, a Cladrastis, a wonderful uh, Cotinus and a Ginkgo Biloba showing glorious yellows. Uh, the award that we've received is the Stevenson Clark Cup. And, and this is particularly special because for many years I was the head gardener for the Stevenson Clark family. So Robert Stevenson Clark was a, was a great supporter of the RHS and you know left monies for a cup for some silverware. Uh, and it's great to to actually be able to win that. Cotinus or Cotinus has got to be my favourite. Uh, all three: Cotinus Flame, Cotinus Grace. Um, they're definitely some of my favourites. What else am I loving right now? Some Amalankia as well, the, the snowy mespolis. Um, so those are both excellent. Well, I live in central London, so ours is a little bit slower to turn and much later. So I think it really depends. I see a lot of variation year to year, honestly. This year, it's been so nice and dry uh, that everything's turning really slowly and really well. There's been so little wind and rain, so it feels like a really good year. Amalankia Lamarckii is uh, the Juneberry or the service berry, so it's got the three seasons of interest. You've got the lovely blossom with copper foliage in the spring, the delicious edible berries in summer, uh, and then this incredible autumn colour as well. Um, and once it gets mature, you can have really beautiful snaking multi-stem small tree out of it. Hi, I'm Terry uh, Baker from Botanic Nursery and I'm here with my wife Mary and uh, we always look forward to the autumn show because uh, it's an ideal opportunity for us to show some of our range of uh, autumn flowering and autumn coloured plants and I always think it's really nice, uh, no matter how small a garden, to have say a, a tiny tree, one or two shrubs and a few perennials all mixed together and what we do is bring along a selection of those so that gardeners can perhaps rethink a border that's getting a little bit tired or uh, add a few things to a border that they're already enjoying. And I think it's important to remember that in autumn one can almost have more colour than, uh, than you get in summer. Then uh, that's more easily achieved with a, a range of interesting things. Uh, but if you wanted, a, say, a shrub to go with a tree, uh, the Eliagnus are extremely good. They're very easily contained by pruning to whatever size or shape you like. And they're sweetly scented and in full flower at this time of year. Uh, Osmanthus is another one that one could consider. Well, the Eliagnus has these large, lustrous, greeny-grey leaves and these small, almost star-like white flowers. And in the evenings particularly, the, the scent is really something to behold. I mean, one of the mainstays, really, of the, uh, of the late summer or autumn garden is the salvias. They really come into their own, particularly when we're blessed with a, a really uh, open, sunny autumn that we've had, like this year. Uh, and things like salvia amistad, uh, convertiflora, phyllis's fancy, and the new range of salvia heatwave. Uh, this is a new um, uh, bushy salvia range which has been bred in Australia, and it's found to be so tough and hardy that people are actually now using it for little parterre, little hedges, uh, a bit like uh, was done with box before the box blight. So that's a good thing, and of course they really come into their own and are looking fabulous at this time of year. Uh, so yeah, wonderful things for late colour, 
Uh, if you have a cold garden, then stick some conifer boughs or a great heap of sawdust. Uh, during the winters of the 1980s, uh, we found that putting uh, a foot 30 centimetres of sawdust over the root crown of these things uh, keeps out minus 20. And it's a marvellous way of preserving uh, plants like this, which give you this late colour. The podcast team at the RHS Shades of Autumn last week. You can find more photos and more information from the show on our website. Although the nights are drawing in, there are still plenty of other garden events and attractions for you to enjoy. Here's a selection of what's coming up in the next few weeks. If you'd like to get face-to-face gardening advice from an RHS advisor, join us at Harlow Car from 11am to 3pm on the first Saturday of each month and every Monday from 1pm to 3.30pm. Come to the desk in the entrance conservatory with your questions. Free with normal garden entry. Enjoy all that Hyde Hall Woodland has to offer with guided autumn and winter walks every Tuesday at 11am during November 2016 and then January and February 2017. No booking required, normal garden admission applies, so it's free if you're an RHS member. Join us at Rosemore on the 18th and 19th of November for the launch of the magical Winter Garden Illuminations with their high-tech colour-changing lights which will illuminate the Winter Garden, making an amazing show to light and enthrall visitors. Don't miss the Christmas Contemporary Craft Fair at Wisley between the 23rd and 27th of November, where visitors can meet a wealth of talented designer craftsmen and artists who produce wonderful original items. Free for RHS members, £10 for non-members, but this includes entry to the garden. Details of these and many other events are available on our website at rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. You're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. In May, the RHS was proud to announce that Baroness Floella Benjamin, OBE, had become our latest high-profile ambassador. Her role is to promote the benefits that gardening and access to plants and gardens can deliver to communities and especially to children and young people, benefits that she has experienced and passionately believes in. Baroness Benjamin joins the likes of Alan Titchmarsh, Mary Berry and Chris Beardshaw, amongst others, as RHS ambassadors. We spoke to her to hear about her passion for plants and the power horticulture has to improve health and happiness. My name is Baroness Floella Benjamin of Beckenham. I love the sound of that. Um, There's a lot of history behind me being called Baroness Benjamin of Beckenham. When I was a young girl, my mother wanted to go and live in Beckenham in Kent uh, because she was a great gardener. And this particular house that she wanted to buy had a beautiful garden. But when we went to look at the house, to buy the house, they sent the police to arrest us because they said black people don't live in Beckenham in Kent. And my mother said, I am going to buy this house. We are going to live in this house, all my family. I've got five brothers and sisters and we live there. And she nurtured her garden. She had the most beautiful roses in that garden. And she, unfortunately, she didn't live to see me become a baroness. And she died. Her and my father both died within a year of each other before um, I became a baroness in the House of Lords. But I went to the cemetery and I said, Mommy, Daddy, You've been living in Beckenham for 40 years and I'm going to claim Beckenham for you. I'm going to call myself Baroness Benjamin of Beckenham. And where she's buried, I go at least every couple of months to make sure that the flowers on her patch looks beautiful because my mother loved gardening. And I think I understood the need and the joy of gardening, to have the gardening world around you through my mother. I lived in Trinidad and she was always caring for the plants and the gardens in Trinidad and she did the same thing in England 
a plant was dying, you take it to my mum and she would bring it alive again. And so I suppose the understanding of the need of gardening came through that. So when I was asked to be an ambassador of the Royal Horticultural Society, I was doing it in honour of my mother, thrilled to be asked to be an ambassador, because what I want to do is to get our people to understand the importance of gardening, the nurturing of gardening, the sense of, of feeling together with your world as one, because far too often we feel alienated and, and we don't connect with each other. And the way of starting to connect is through gardening, through the beauty of the world that's been created for us to nurture it to love it, to work with it. And my role as an ambassador is to do just that, starting with children, children and families, so that when they look at the world that they're living in, the world around them, they can find a way of creating beauty. Because you don't have to have a huge garden. You have a window box. You can have a, a little tub on your window in windowsill just to see how things grow gives you a chance to nurture, gives you a chance to celebrate beauty, the colours, the excitement, the waiting, the anxiety of knowing something, whether it's going to happen or not, anticipation, because far too often we're in this kind of relentless role, this world that we're living in. The pace is too great, but I want children to slow down and understand that everything doesn't happen just like that. It takes time. You have to understand about looking after things. You have to plant it, wait for it, for the next set process for it to start, shoots coming up. Then suddenly you see blossoming. And if you're growing vegetables especially, ah, you can eat it, something that you've created. Now for some children, having that kind of stability in life is like, it's non-existence. But if they concentrate on gardening, on planting something, waiting to see the process of how it happens, understanding that, you know, life is, is anything that's worth, worth living for is worth waiting for. And that's why I was so thrilled to be asked to be an ambassador. And I take on my role so seriously because I know there's a lot of work to be done out there, especially in this world that children are being brought up in. People's got to understand the reason why gardening is important, to understand what it means. And once you understand what it means and what you're trying to achieve, then you can grow to love it. Then you can understand the importance and the necessity of getting involved with the earth, getting involved with nature, looking and seeing how you fit in. Because when you're, when you're gardening, it gives you time to think, time to meditate, time to relax, time to feel as if you are part of something that's beautiful. And it kind of subliminal messages that goes into the brain that then helps you to function and to absorb and to deal with anything that comes at you. So it's not just gardening. It's very, very symbolic and spiritual to the soul. It's a necessity. I feel gardening is something that every single child should be part of and should learn about and should participate in. I went to school in, in North London just recently and it was in a deprived area. The streets looked aggressive, cars everywhere. You had a big, it was a gated school, lots of security. But when you went through the gates and you went up towards the school office, what the headmistress had done is that she created a cottage garden. 
So as you came out of that harsh, violent world, suddenly you amounts lavender. They had sweet pea growing. They had peppers and tomatoes growing, a kind of a, a green grass growing as well. And as I walked in, I went, ah, now just think what that's doing for the children. So I want more schools to create green spaces, not just to tarmac everything over, but to understand that some children have very, very tough lives at home. Society is getting at them constantly. So they need a place of relaxation. And what better place to do it than in, at school? When they come to school, all these hours that they're spending at school, there have to be areas where they can relax. The teachers can help them grow f fruit, vegetables, to understand where potato comes from, peas come from, rhubarb comes from, all the things that they see in the supermarket, in packets, they don't understand. It has a growing process, so they can participate that way as well. But the most important thing that it's doing, it's calming them down preparing them for the day as they walk into the school gates, up to school. Suddenly they're in an environment where they can relax. Now, if I can get more and more schools to see the importance of having such a, a place in such an area, that's one of the jobs I think I would have, have, want to achieve. But also for communities. I went recently to the Angel Town um, school, one of the schools there in Angel Town, and I looked at what they're trying to achieve there, and all the people in their tower block suddenly were coming out and were participating, were taking ownership. And you had people growing plants and fruit and vegetables that they took and then start eating. And there's nothing better than eating something, not only that you have produced and you've created, but something that's fresh, fresh from the soil to your plate. Ah, oh, I mean, so all of that is, to me, is what I want people to see, that it's important in their well-being. RHS Ambassador for Young People and Communities, Baroness Floella Benjamin. You can hear the second part of this fascinating interview where Baroness Benjamin shares more of her personal passion for gardening and reveals the key plants in her own life in our special December edition of the RHS Members Podcast, which is going to be accessible to everyone, whether or not they belong to the RHS, throughout the festive period. That special programme will be available to download in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and all the podcast team, Goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer or visit cress.com Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round 
Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 